Hi, my name is Jackie. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 8. I play hard because that's how I do everything. I always push myself to be the best that I can be. Type 1 diabetes does not stop me from doing the things that I like to do. Hello and welcome to Teen 1D, the podcast for teenagers and young adults living with type 1 diabetes. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medicine advice or treatment. Please contact your physician or medical team before making any changes to your insulin regimen or medical plan. My guest for today is Carson McGee. So Carson, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Carson McGee and I have type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was seven years old in 2010. Um, I'm now 18, so I've had diabetes for over a decade now. And, you know, it's been a life-changing experience, obviously, having a disease that's 24-7, but a lot of good has come out of it and a lot of opportunities. How do you manage your type 1? Do you use shots or a pump or CGM? Yeah, so I have a continuous glucose monitor, CGM, and a tandem insulin pump. So I've, I've been on both of those for quite a few years now, which, you know, technology has changed even since I've had those devices, especially the CGM, rarely have to prick my finger anymore to draw blood. So honestly, the technology that has come out just since I've gotten diabetes has been um, incredible. But yeah, I, I do have a continuous glucose monitor and an insulin pump. Yeah, I also have a helpful buddy with me, a service dog. Can you tell us about your service dog? What kind of dog is it? Yeah, he's a golden doodle lab mix. And he is just over a year old. And I've had him since he's been eight weeks old. So wow. um, yeah, he's he's been a lifesaver and he's he's helped me out a lot. Alerting my blood sugar, he'll paw me. My blood sugar is too high or too low. And yeah, he's he's literally been a lifesaver. So he's awesome to have. Yeah. So are there certain breeds of dogs that are better to be alert dogs than others? Sure. So yeah, a few of them, Capo especially has the mix of three breeds in them, um, Poodle, Golden Retriever, and Labrador Retriever. And um, generally those types of dogs are are better just because of their sense of smell. If you have a dog that has less of a good nose, I guess, for smelling, then you know that can be a minus for having that type of breed. But generally labs, retrievers, a lot of golden doodles are type 1 diabetes alert dogs. So yeah, Capo's a good mix of all of them. Capo's the dog, by the way, if I didn't mention that. And it really just depends on on how good their sense of smell is. Also temperament is a big one. And that's something that people don't usually think about, but walking around in stores and being out in public, the dog's temperament, excuse me, has to be quite good. You know, it can't be running all wild and untrained, but yeah. How did you decide that a dog was right for you? Well, uh, it was quite a miracle, actually. I've always wanted a diabetic alert dog and I, I looked for years and years and years, but they're very expensive. They can cost up to $20,000. So when Capo came along, I have, of course had to take the opportunity. There was a trainer in Sandpoint about an hour away that had just moved here from California and she had a litter of nine instead of seven. And it was just too much to train at one time for her. And she ended up calling a couple locals local type 1 diabetics in the area. So me and another girl in the area ended up getting a puppy from the litter if we trained them ourselves. So with the help of a trainer, I was able to, to have Capo 
and raise him myself without it being too much work for the breeder. So the breeder, again, is is also a type 1 diabetes alert dog trainer for, gosh, 40 years, I want to say. So it was a real blessing to have her, especially in the area, to help me out. Yeah. So what was the training behind that like? So when training, a good portion of it is behavioral. So learning how to walk with a leash and heel uh, next to you on the left side. And a lot of it is just behavioral stuff, walking out in public, getting used to loud noises, desensitizing to some things. But the actual part for type 1 diabetes is, of course, smelling blood sugar. So Capo will smell my breath and that's how he can tell if my blood sugar is too high or too low. If a diabetic has a high blood sugar, sometimes they smell kind of a like a fruity smell in their breath or other people around them may, may smell that. And um, with Capo, he can also smell that, but his sense of smell is heightened. So he can smell both high and low blood sugars. He can also sense a little bit of muscle movement. So the way you train for that is through scent samples. So I would suck on a cotton ball and get my saliva sample all over the cotton. And I would have three groups. So a neutral group, which is just a regular blood sugar without uh, a different scent on it. And then a low blood sugar and a high blood sugar. And I would put them in tins, kind of like an Altoids tin or um, a craft tin. And you can drill holes in the top so that the scent can leak out. And kind of like a magician on the street, you mix up these three samples, two with neutral scents, and then one with a, a low blood sugar or a high blood sugar scent. And the idea is that the dog will go over and sniff the correct tin and it'll paw it or it'll bump its nose on the on the correct tin that has the low blood sugar. And then you reward that. So it's very reward based. You're giving treats when they get it right. And you're not necessarily, you know, telling them no when they get it wrong. You just wait until they figure out what the difference is between the two. So um, that's a good portion of it. And then. Honestly, from, from there, it's just a lot of getting used to being in public and alerting. You'll also train for the pawing and the actual alerting. So you'll train separately. You'll do the pawing. So you'll teach them how to paw you, kind of like shaking hands. And then you'll also teach the scent training. And then once the dog has it down, you'll combine the two. So you'll put the scent on you, and then the dog should automatically paw you after you bring those two together. So it's quite interesting. There's a lot, a lot of specifics to it, but it's just mainly a lot of work, but it's, I think the reward is, is uh, well worth it. Yeah. And so for the actual logistics of it, does Capo wake up in the middle of the night to alert you of your blood sugar or does he just stay awake the whole time? So currently he's still working on training since he's still a puppy. He's working on really getting the nighttime lows nailed down. But the theory is he should wake up um, subconsciously kind of every 15 minutes. So when they're a puppy, they go into REM sleep. So, you know, where they're dreaming and chasing bunnies and Generally, when they're in that REM sleep, they don't wake up out of it very easily unless you physically go over and, and touch them or pet them and wake them up. So 
when they get older, their sleep schedule changes so that during the night, they never really get to that REM sleep where they're, you know, they're very heavy sleep. So they're kind of lightly sleeping. And every 15 minutes or so, they'll kind of subconsciously wake up and, and kind of smell the air just to see if anything's wrong and then fall back into a light sleep. So that's the theory of it. And then during the day, um, especially at school, that's when they, they get some of that REM, REM sleep and the sleep that they need. So you talked about the fact that Capo is only eight months old. Did you have to train him during COVID? And so how did that affect the training process? Absolutely. You know, if it, I always say if it wasn't for COVID, I probably wouldn't have been able to train Capo just because dealing with school. And of course, the training is more than just a summer of training. So especially when he was a puppy, I had a lot more time during COVID to train him, um, take him out and do all the, the puppy things. So it was honestly kind of a blessing rather than anything that hurt me just because I had so much time on my hands and I could stay home and be with him and train him. Then when the uh, school year came around, then he started going to school with me. He was, gosh, I want to say six months old at the time. So I was taking a six month old puppy to school and he ha of course had to be trained well enough to go to school with me in the hallways with all the kids. And so that time during COVID was really a ton of training every day, getting up multiple times a day, having training sessions, sent samples and all sorts of things. So it was really a blessing, but yeah, if I were to do it during the school year, I think they it would be hard just because of the the time that is kind of forced on you by by a puppy, let alone a diabetic alert dog training. Also, while I was looking at things before this, I saw a newspaper article about you and Capo from last year in a kayak. How did that happen? And does he like the water? He didn't like the water. He it was kind of during the period where we were de desensitizing to him to things, so construction zones and everything. And we figured, you know, why not? Since he's since he's a puppy and kind of you know not scared of much from you know until his until his fear period stage, we figured we'd try him in a kayak. So he was small enough where he could just sit right in the seat with me, kind of lay inside the kayak. <laughs> so we went out on the water. He did great with it. He slept the whole time. But yeah, it was it was kind of more of just. A, a fun thing that we we wanted to try and it, it helped them I think get used to the water it helped them get used to the water a bit and he still hated swimming though after that until about probably a month ago was when he he finally started to like the water is there any but, place where you don't bring him or does he come with you pretty much everywhere so he does come with me pretty much everywhere. There are a few times where I won't take him if it's an activity that I know that he can't do, like a, a tree ropes course sort of idea. He's not Tarzan yet, so I usually don't bring him on ropes courses or something like that. Or if there's, you know, a loud concert or something like that where it could damage his ears or hurt him in any way, then I generally will leave him home. But other than that, I've brought him to school on the airplane. That's another another big training section. <laughs> and yeah, he's he's nice to have around everywhere I go. Um, again, it's not like something that, you know, has to be attached with me. But, you know, as he is my dog, I, I need to take care of him. So he does come along with me and he takes care of me probably more than I take care of him. So yeah, he'll generally go pretty much everywhere with me. Yeah, I saw a picture of where he was um, at your graduation. How was that? And congrats on graduating, by the way, too. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, he was fantastic during graduation. Jostens, the 
cap and gown, um, graduation kind of company. They, they make rings, class rings, and all sorts of doodads for graduates and even college graduates. They made him a gown and a cap. So they custom made it. I altered it slightly so it, it fit on him. And he walked across the stage with me in his cap and gown as well. By the end, he was fairly fluent in Spanish. <laughs> and yeah, no, he's he was good though. He shook the principal's hand, got him to got him up to speed on that training so that he could shake the principal's hand when we walked across. Yeah, the school is really great to have him. Um, they even made him a student ID and I'll show it to you now since it's here. There you go. If you can see that nice student ID, Coeur d'Alene High School. So honestly, yeah, a lot of people are open and accepting to him, but it was, it was fun to have him on stage. Um, he went to school with me every day for that whole school year. So kids all knew him, the teachers knew him, the principal knew him. So it would be weird if he wasn't there, honestly. And yeah, I think he enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So there was no issue with like large groups of people, I'm guessing then? No, he has done really, really well. The biggest group of people that he was in was probably the hallways. And if you know anything about high school hallways, then you know that the, the freshmen are always getting trampled. Even the seniors get trampled sometimes. So for a dog, that's about a sixth of a human's height. You know, I would assume it would be pretty scary, but he was a trooper through through the hallways. So when he went to graduation, it was it was really, a, I, I feel like, a breeze for him. And he knew a lot of the kids there. So, yeah, thankfully it wasn't too much of a terror. But, yeah, he's he loves people. Have you ever had him send someone else's blood sugar that wasn't yours? I have not. I've been suspicious of it. He's kind of gone over and sniffed some other diabetics. But generally, the scent is specific to each diabetic. So when he smells my blood sugar, the scent is heightened like by a crazy amount. And he may still smell another diabetic's blood sugar, but the scent that he would smell would be harder to smell. Just the scent would not be as potent. So I've definitely been suspicious of it. And I've heard other diabetic alert dogs doing that. Yeah. And that's kind of another reason why they can't just make a, a serum or something for a low blood sugar or high blood sugar to train on, like um, like elk antlers or something like that for dogs to go hunting with and find antlers. They can't really capture that low blood sugar scent or low high blood sugar scent. It's really specific to each diabetic. So maybe one day, hopefully. Yeah. So for our last question, what do you think makes someone suited to get an alert dog? I think you have to really want not only a, a tool for diabetes, but you have to be willing to keep up with training. Even if you're not training them yourselves, you have to really be motivated. That's the biggest thing is being motivated to have a dog and bring them everywhere. You know, I, I thought it would be a breeze um, starting out, but Along with, you know, taking them everywhere. There's also the um, taking them out, finding places to go to the bathroom. There's a lot of behind the scenes things that you don't really think about for service dogs. So you really have to keep in mind that they are also dogs and, you know, they they have their moments too. It's like taking care of a baby, honestly. It's, uh, my mom always says the greatest birth control, having a puppy. Because really you have to take care of them, feed them, give them treats, along with keep up with training and scent samples and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it is a lot of fun having him. It's good. And he helps alert my blood sugar for, you know, highs and lows. So he really could come in handy and save lives, especially mine. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've also heard that you're a skilled clown and that you know how to make balloon animals. Is this true? And do you still do this? 
It is true. Yeah. I've been clowning since I was two years old. So a long time. And it's kind of a family gig that we have. Uh, my brother and my mom both clown. So we go to hospitals, volunteer, make balloon animals. Um, I ride a unicycle. Yeah. We still do it. Birthday parties. Less now. There's not quite as much business, but I still still really enjoy it. And the walk to cure diabetes, I actually will ride on my unicycle and Capo will go alongside me and we'll both do the walk to cure diabetes together. And I guess it's more of a ride for me on a unicycle, but that's kind of the, a thing that, that I do. And, and the, the walk chapter here, you know, kind of recognizes that. So it's, it's fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've added it into a lot of my life. That definitely sounds really interesting. So now that you've graduated, what are you doing in the fall since you've now finished high school? I plan on going to college and majoring in computer science. Capo will be there with me throughout all four years and hopefully walk across the stage with me a second time. Yeah. So off to college, I'll probably stay local, but yeah, that way I can, I can live at home, save some money that way. Yeah. Yeah. Will you be requesting accommodations in the fall next year? I just know this is a topic that some people might want to hear covered. Absolutely. Yeah. I will definitely be requesting accommodations, especially with the dog, you know, bathroom breaks, especially between classes. And if I have a long enough period of time between classes, that shouldn't be a problem. But also if I need to go out because of anything for Capo or me, then I'll, I'll be requesting that too. It's a little bit different in college. You don't have a 504. It really depends on the disabilities office at the college, but generally they're pretty good at being accommodating to uh, not only diabetics, but service dogs as well. I also know that you're very active with JDRF. Um, Have you had any large experiences that you'd like to talk about? Gosh, uh, yeah, there's quite a few. I do have a blog. That might be an easier way to check out what I've done. Um, That's carsonscruisers.blogspot.com. Just a a couple key things. I've been to Washington, D.C. to speak on Capitol Hill with Children's Congress and talk about funding for type 1 diabetes through the special diabetes program bill. I've also designed a race car through Ford Motor Company and JDRF and their partnership. And I I did a, I guess, drawing competition. My design was put on the, the wrap of the car and that helped raise money for JDRF and type 1 diabetes. I was flown out to Denver to watch the car actually race. Yeah, just a lot of, a lot of fun stuff that's happened. I've been on Nickelodeon for an invention that I made for type 1 diabetes. I was on a game show called Figure It Out. That was Gosh, quite a few years ago, just wow. a little bit after my diagnosis. Um, so yeah, and a lot of that's on the blog, but a lot of um, talking with senators, I still keep up with them. Diabetes Day at the state capitol for me, I, I uh, asked the governor for a proclamation, and it's kind of an awareness Diabetes Day. So yeah, a lot of lot of really cool things have happened through diabetes and. You know, I, I'm really thankful for everything that's happened. You know, it's not a great disease and I wouldn't necessarily want to get it again, but because I have it, you know, I'd, I'd like to make the most out of it. So um, yeah. yeah, a lot of good opportunities. I can definitely relate on that front. And as we close out, I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions. This one's more general. What have you been up to this summer? I have actually been working at a summer kids day camp. Capo also went with me to that. So that was a job that that was really easy to do with it with the diabetic alert dog. All the kids loved him. Other than that, some more training with Capo. Not a ton else. I do have a fun college 
course that I'm taking. So trigonometry, fantastic to get ahead. But yeah, not a ton. But yeah, the, the kids' summer day camp was great. I worked with fourth and fifth graders. That sounds fun. Do you have any advice for anyone out there who's managing type one or just in life after high school? Yeah, I would say make the most of it. You know, for a while I was kind of in a a pit and wallowed in self-pity. But honestly, you know, if you're going to have the disease, why not make the most of it? And, you know, stay on top of it. Follow the the doctor's advice. Generally, they know what they're talking about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know yourself better than anyone. So yeah, really just make the most of what you have. Honestly, it's the the best advice that I've had that that I've learned to try to do. Sometimes it's tough, but yeah, they'll always get back up again. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's all for today. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests or just want to say hi, don't hesitate to reach out. You can either email me at teen.t1d at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at teen1d podcast. If you like my podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review as it does really help me out. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to tune into next week's episode. Have a great week. Hopefully you'll see you next week. Bye.